Good morning, everyone. And so last week we heard the gospel of the Good Shepherd, and today, of course, the feeding of the, the 5,000 men. But if you add women and children, it probably equals more like 15,000 people. Both of them sort of have this uh, theme of shepherd, the shepherd tending and feeding his flock, this beautiful pastoral imagery. And so we can sort of take this idea and understand and apply it to the church, as the church always has done, the role, the duty of the apostles, uh, the priests and the clergy to be shepherds, to feed and tend the flock. Of course, this ideal stands, unfortunately, in stark contrast to the news that I'm sure most of you have heard over the course of the past several weeks and months about Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, the previous Cardinal Archbishop of Washington, D.C. It has been revealed that for decades he abused um, pubescent teenage boys and seminarians, and a lot of people knew about it, including other priests and people in the hierarchy, and they did nothing. And so about six weeks ago, I think, uh, it was released that some investigations of some of this abuse uh, was done and they were credible. And as a result, he was removed from public ministry. But curiously, for about a month, the mainstream media didn't even touch it until July 19th, the New York Times, who knew about the story back in 2002, decided to publish a very long story, and I do encourage you to read it if you want to learn more, and spoke about more revelations. And then the fire caught, and you can see it everywhere about the history of what went on, about the scandal, and about the seeming cover-up. So much so that yesterday he resigned from the College of Cardinals, and now we are waiting to see what happens with a possible civil and canonical trial. Not only in that, but investigation, quite possibly, of why nothing was done about this over the course of the decades. And so whatever crimes that he did commit, he is going to have to face the consequences. And certainly, there should be consequences for these crimes. And we can witness, too, something that's sort of very, very apparent this gross misuse and abuse of his powers and the gross negligence of others to address and rectify the situation. Of course, I understand the weakness of priests and the weakness of humans, but I'm sure most of us will agree this goes far beyond this. It's not just weakness, but predatory and criminal behavior. And so seeing so much about it in the news and reading the different reactions, I thought of a quote from Cardinal Ratzinger. This is right before he was elected as pope, sort of on the heels of the scandal from 2002 on in the church. He was giving the way of the cross at the Colosseum on Good Friday. And he had a quote there, it was a powerful way of the cross, that really stood out. He says, how much filth there is in the church and even among those who in the priesthood ought to belong entirely to him. 
And so this was said in the heels of the revelations of so much abuse from priests, and now we are seeing it from the bishops. And some of them, it appears, acting as wolves in sheep's clothing. And people, lay faithful, and the priests too, are rightfully disgusted and angry. Seeing a lot of them on blogs and in podcasts, railing against the corruption of the church. Many have and are threatening to leave. And of course, this type of scandal fuels the hatred of those who have an animus against Catholics and the church. And even for faithful Catholics who love the church, and, and, and the same way of the cross, quoted, says, we see the church like a boat about to sink, a boat taking in water on every side. And so a lot of people, and even some of us here who may be familiar with what's going on, may want to abandon ship, to go become an evangelical, to go do something else. The church and her leaders are just too corrupt. Well, as bad as it surely may seem, and surely it is in the church, I'm not going to advise that leaving the Catholic Church is a wise and prudent choice. Regardless, the church is still founded on the church by Jesus on the rock of Peter. The church gave us or gives us the Eucharist. As one saint said, Christ promised that the church would be infallible, but never said it would be impeccable. There's always been corruption, particularly in the hierarchy. Go pick up a book about the Borgia Popes or the bishops in the Renaissance. And throughout the history of the church, there have been frequent and very necessary reforms, particularly of the clergy. And so if good people abandon the ship now, I can assure you there will be no hope. So, sort of a positive message facing all of this filth that's apparent in the church, what should good people do? I cannot offer a solution or any practical solutions for rectifying corruption in the episcopacy or exactly what is going on in the McCarrick case. Hopefully there can be some conversion and some reform. But I think, and this is the very sort of essential thing we've got to remember, that as bad as it is, as bad and as cowardly and as corrupt as some bishops and priests may seem, and it is a very real problem, just like any demographic, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, it is a small minority of the clergy that are corrupt. Just like it's a small minority of the teachers or the lawyers or whatever that are corrupt and even criminal. And so we've got to be very careful about prejudiced judgments or hasty generalizations. That all the bishops are bad, that all the priests are bad, that all of them are bad. But what we can do is while we can say certainly a certain percentage are bad and are engaging in criminal activity, we can say that all bishops and priests are weak and sinners and human. We can certainly, definitely say this. And for me, it's the flip side of the homily I gave a few weeks ago. Remember when I talked about the dancing priests, that video of our four ordained priests and Father Keenan Brown 
at the party after uh, the ordination dancing in celebration, a video which got 215,000 views. And I asked the question, why do people like this video so much? My argument was, and I think it resonated with people, is because people want to see priests as human. They want to see them not as detached and removed in some ivory tower, still recognizing their priest and their own dignity and value, but to be able to see them as vulnerable. It's something that we want to see and is attractive. But the fact of the matter is, there's the flip side. If you want to see priest is not detached and is different and is human and vulnerable, then you're going to come to see that they're weak, they're wounded, they're sinful, and some of them even are criminal. You can't have one without the other. We cannot have the good without the bad. And just as the laity need priests to bring them God's word, and I think we can recognize that, to show them mercy, to feed them with the Eucharist, the solution, or whatever my suggestion would be, is to understand that priests need the laity also to offer them support, encouragement, accountability can't tell you what the specifics would be. I'm still sort of praying and thinking about that. But there's got to be mutual support and even a mutual vulnerability. It's funny, this sort of idea comes because over the course of the past several months, I've been reading this book of homilies from Cardinal Ratzinger that he gave before he became Pope uh, about the priesthood. And there's a theme that comes through all of these homilies. Many of them preached at anniversaries or at first masses. The theme about the dignity and meaning of the priesthood, but also the responsibility of the laity to support priests. And one homily in particular sort of jumps out at me, and I don't mean to read this long passage, but Cardinal Ratzinger, as usual, sums it up better than I ever could. And this is from 1973, and he's preaching at an anniversary mass. And he's talking about sort of the same thing, the sinfulness, the scandal, the wretchedness in the church, and the temptation that we have not only to reject the church, but to reject the priest as the messenger of the word of God. And he says, and here I'm going to give the quote, that regardless, we may be tempted, but we've got to understand, quote, that God speaks through the children of men. He wants some of them to dare to take his words on their lips so that it might be in the world. And he wants the others to accept it precisely through that weak creature. I think that we can see here something of the common task of all believers in the church. What it can mean for a young priest if he sees that he is supported by the people in the congregation. If he recognizes they accept his weakness and his inability also, that precisely thereby they support him as the messenger of something greater that does not come from himself. That they also help to him to believe personally the word that is given to both. And what destruction there can be if he runs into a wall of skepticism, a people see him alone and do not help him carry on the greater cause. 
Today, everybody talks about the rights of the laity. This is after Vatican II. So that often one cannot see at all why we still need priests. Nevertheless, I think this is where these great rights and duties of the lay people, in fact, lie. And here's the important part. It is their duty and their right to compel the priest, as it were, against his own timidity to be what he is called to be to want him as their priest and to help him keep the word of God alive in the world. All of us must together carry this call, must struggle for it and make sure its authority remains present. What is he saying? That the priest can't do it alone. They're too weak and fallen. They need the support, the accountability, the help from the lady both of them maintaining each other and helping each other in a certain sense live out their identity. Again, what this looks like and how it's lived out, not exactly sure. Of course, both priest and lady have to call out criminal behavior, call out the abuse of power. But when it comes to the weakness that we all share, if there's going to be a willingness to cooperate, to have this sort of shared mutual vulnerability, we are going to hopefully see a deeper reform in both the clergy and the laity. And from that, hopefully in the years and decades to come, and a priest who better understands his identity, is willing to be challenged, is willing to grow and walk with others that they will grow into the new breed of better bishop, of different bishop, and greater leader of the church. So in conclusion, I think the end of the gospel today gives a really, really great image of what this looks like. Jesus works the miracle. The apostles feed the people. But what happens at the end? It's the apostles and the people who pick up the fragments. They both kind of do it together. I'm not saying the apostles had to go pick up pieces of bread from 15,000 people. You can imagine logically that people handed it to the apostles. They all work together, working together, picking up the fragments to build up the body of Christ. Amen.